Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you're joining us today. Uh, Would you please pray with me before we begin? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful, Lord, that we can come before you, that we can worship you, that we can know you through your word. And God, as we open up your word, we just ask that you'd open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And we just thank you that you go before us, that you went before us to the cross, you went before us in the resurrection, and you say that we can join you in that resurrection. So Lord, we just rejoice this morning that we can be called your sons and your daughters. So Lord, give us a heart to share that message with others uh, today and through this week and through this year, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name as we together remember the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in the month of February, which means we're in Missions Month. And, and actually, this week, we're beginning Missions Week in earnest. And I, I, I'm so glad you're joining us online, but I so wish as well you know, that you could be with us in person too, uh, because Sunday morning, the kids are bringing the flags down. We've got the banners up. Um, it's just, man, it's missions time here. And, and I just want to uh, hope that you can sense that um, at home as well, or wherever you are uh, joining us online this morning. It's, it's an exciting time, man, where we... Together, we reaffirm our commitment to the ends of the earth. And it's, it's just a wonderful time to, to come together in that. You know, we've been looking at the Oikos principle uh, these past uh, few weeks, that how, how we, that principle, how we individually are called uh, to tell the mercies of God um, to the people that he's put in our lives, those people that he's put on the front burner of our lives. So we want to become um, in that mindset, in that Oikos principle, we want to become focused, uh, meaning more intentional, more thoughtful, and more prayerful with those people in our lives. Um, and now this morning, we're going to uh, kind of look up, so to speak, from our, our, our Oikoses um, to now the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. For we are a sent church, a sent people, and also we are a sending church, ascending to the ends of the earth church. So this morning, we're going to look at what it means to be ascent church and ascending church. So to begin, ascent church is a church on mission. It's a church on mission, and that's everything, you know, we've been talking about these past couple weeks. So number one, ascent church is a church that's been commissioned, as in the great commission from Jesus to go into all the world, but it is a co-mission, and God has not left us alone in this, for he has sent us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So that number two, a sent church is an empowered church, empowered by the Spirit, with the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit being manifest for the work we've been called to do. Because number three, a sent church is an equipped church an equipped church. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, he says, And he, Jesus, 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or the pastors, uh, and teachers, he gave them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, meaning to be fully grown to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So in no uncertain terms, Paul's saying, we got to grow up. We can't be children forever being tossed to and fro. You know, maybe, you know, maybe these people are right. I, you know, they've got a good point. You're, you know, kind of like the, the, the postmodernists, you know, we really can't know anything, right? Uh, or, or the humanists, you know, everyone has their truth and, and, and we're made right in our own eyes. You know, the nihilist, man, everything's meaningless. What, what's the point of anything we're doing here? Or the, the moralistic therapeutic deist, right, who says, I'm a good person and God wants, to, wants me to be happy, so he's going to go ahead and do that for me. Paul's saying it's time to grow up. Stop being tossed to and fro like a child by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. No, listen to what it is. In verse 15 of, of Ephesians 4, he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, isn't that cool? And we are to grow up into Christ. Right? It's about him. It's about him, Christ, who, who spoke the truth in love, who spoke difficult truths in love, true love, not, not sentimentality, not good vibes, not good feelings, but true love that will tell you if you have a malignant tumor that is about to kill your body. And Jesus tells us in love, in his love that he came to serve and not to be served. In his love that he went to the cross to be a ransom for many because we aren't good. Because we're desperately sick in our hearts. And it was the only way to restore us to himself. So as we are growing up into Christ in every way, every part of us is being remade so that we grow up and we are built up in love. Meaning we are those who set aside pride. We set aside cunning. We are humble and patient and kind and generous and joyful and hopeful and faithful and building one another up in love, correcting in love, encouraging one another in love. And we are equipped to do this by whom? Remember, Ephesians, we're equipped for this work by one, the apostles and the prophets. Okay, so we have the scriptures. We have the scriptures from the apostles, the writings of the apostles in the New Testament, the writings of the prophets, then also, uh, the, the evangelists equip us, right? Those who go before and preach the word. Man, we, we see great examples um, in our lifetime, like the Billy Grahams, you know, and long before him, the John Wesleys, the D.L. Moody's. You know, and then we also have the pastors and the teachers who equip us. Man, that's our team here at KCC, equipping the church. So we're called to equip 
you guys. I'm called to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity uh, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to be grown up, to no longer act like children, but having, at the same time, a childlike faith in the fullness of Christ. So we are fixed upon the rock of Christ and his words, and, and, and we know that the word given to us through the apostles and the prophets that is unchanging amidst the tides and the waves of culture that always seem to promise the world, but, but when we pursue it, it leaves us emptier than we were before. Whereas in contrast to that, Jesus calls us to die to the world. And when we pursue this, it fills us to overflowing. So we are called to grow up into the truth of Christ. And as that is secure, we find our security in him. Man, we don't grow rigid in that truth, but rather we grow more gentle. We grow more grace-filled, more merciful, more loving. For nothing can take us away from him. Nothing can, can take our identity from being in Christ, his daughter, his son. It's a wonderful truth. So to review, a sent church is one, a commissioned church, right? a mission-minded church. We are oikocentric in our thinking, you know, taking that oikos principle and applying it locally and abroad. And number two, a sent church is an empowered church, a spirit-filled church, empowered by the indwelling of the spirit, being baptized and clothed in the, in, clothed in the Holy Spirit. And we're individually and corporately a, a spirit-filled people, demonstrating the fruits and the gifts of the spirit. And number three, a sent church is an equipped church. We, we're equipped and being equipped by the word um, and our own personal study of the word and then also by the pastors and teachers. Uh, for the early church, we read, uh, they were devoted to prayer, to the reading of scripture, to meeting together and eating together. They're, they're being equipped together by their leaders. So missions uh, begins with a revival of our own hearts and a shared revival within the body of Christ and it's put into this cooking pot. You know, it begins to, to boil and eventually it's going to blow the lid right off as the pot boils over into our culture, into our cities, um, into our nations, into the world. And this is guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. We saw this happen in Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Man, this is how God has directed it. And this will look maybe different for each of us depending on our calling as well individually. For not all are called to the mission field to be evangelists. Many are called to support them in prayer and mentoring and financially or to raise up the next generation in teaching or, or bringing unity to the body with healing or, or bring care to the body with hospitality and, and many, many more giftings so that the body is working on all cylinders. Man, all joints are working together, as Paul was saying in Ephesians. And for this to happen, it means to have all three of these aspects, to be commissioned, to be spirit-empowered, and to be equipped. Remember in Acts uh, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they are clothed with power from on high. He said, wait until I send the Holy Spirit, and that is better for you that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. How is it better, Jesus? How, how can that be possible? Why is that the case, Jesus? You mean to say that, that your, your spirit uh, power-filled ministry, your, your authoritative teaching and prophetic ministry on earth is better done by you leaving? <laughs> His answer to that is yes. Why? 
Well, two reasons. First, because all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And that's good news for the world. He is the one who willingly laid his life down to conquer sin and taking his life back up again to defeat death. That by humbling himself to the deepest level imaginable, he was highly exalted by God the Father to the highest seat imaginable. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he took his place at the right hand of the Father as an intercessor on our behalf. So we know that God is for us, that Jesus is for us, interceding for us, so that when the, when the accuser, Satan, comes, he is silenced before God Almighty because of what Jesus did on the cross. The second reason it's better for Christ to ascend than to remain is that he says he is sending the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, has been sent to come upon all believers. Those who believe and are baptized receive the Holy Spirit of God. They become temples of the living God and empowered for the work that Jesus has commissioned to us and for us. And the Spirit equips us to meet the needs of the world so that finally we, as the sent church, can also become the sending church. So open with me to Acts chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles in front of you or your devices. In Acts chapter 13, uh, we read about Paul and Barnabas' missionary calling. It happened at the church in Antioch, the Antioch in Syria, uh, not, the, not to be mistaken with the Antioch in uh, Basidian, uh, which was smaller than the Antioch in Syria, where, where these guys are, uh, which actually is the world's third largest and greatest city at the time, only trailing Rome and Alexandria. It is where the followers of the way were first called Christians as well, which is a fun fact. So there were prophets and teachers meeting together, and these included uh, Barnabas, he was there, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, interestingly enough, and Saul, who we know as Paul. And this brings us to our theme passage um, this Missions Month and this Missions Week, Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. We read that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Just like that, they were sent off. So, so look at what, what, what's happening here. The details given to us are that they were fasting and they were praying. Right, presumably they're seeking God's direction. They're getting on their face before him. They're centering their hearts and their minds and their bodies. They're, they're devoting it to God in worship and prayer and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them in that moment, naming two of them to go. So then what happened? Well, they sent them off, praying over them and commissioning them for the work that God has called them to do. And later in Acts chapter 13, we read that John went with them as well to assist them. The apostle John, right, who was with Jesus during his, his, his earthly ministry, went with them to assist them. So they sent them with prayer and with support and with ment- mentorship through John the apostle. And this is a great model for us today as well, as we seek to be ascending church. And I'd encourage you to keep reading in Acts chapter 13. Go ahead and finish it because Paul and Barnabas uh, have this incredible uh, journey and adventure 
of a lifetime on, on this, this missionary call on their lives with these great moments of people you know, receiving them with joy and the power uh, working of the Holy Spirit you know, along with these moments where they're driven out of towns by people, uh, by these leaders who stir up trouble for them and drive them out. Uh, but the strength that kept them going was the Lord and the prayer and the support of their brothers and their sisters at home. So Paul made it a point to, on, the, on his missionary journeys to never ask for money for himself, from the people that he was preaching to, uh, because we want to make the gospel freely available um, as it was made freely available to us through Christ. But he also says, Paul says, the worker deserves their wages. So the church is called to support its teachers, to support its missionaries in those, in those works, in those efforts. And missions is part of our DNA here at KCC. It's what excites us. It's, it's evident in our budget and in our giving. It's how God has wired our hearts to be generous. And we spend you know, a month talking about it every year uh, with this missions week being the highlight and the call to action. So this morning, we're finally beginning missions week, which means tomorrow ladies can come out to the church uh, for women's night at 7 p.m., where Christy Burkhart from Pregnancy Care Center is going to be uh, the keynote speaker there. And men, our barbecues uh, has got pushed back to April, a uh, little nicer weather. Um, and so stay tuned for details on that. Um, and then Sunday, the, the 28th, we're going to have chai and churros, which is just donation-based. And we're turning in our Change for Change boxes. And all these funds are going to go to our new sending fund that we're beginning, that we're, we're, we're seeking and we're praying that the Holy Spirit would raise up and would call one of our own to the mission field, just like we saw uh, the Holy Spirit do with Paul and Barnabas. So it's an exciting prospect, and I hope uh, you'll join with me in praying about that. Who that might be? Maybe that's you. Um, seek God. I'm going to seek the, the affirmation from the Holy Spirit. And as always, you know, the big highlight of Missions Week is our faith promise cards which are available. Um, they're going to be sent out. I'm going to send out an email as well. You'll get that. And so you can uh, s- send that back to us or bring it to the church office. Or if you're here on the 28th, man, you're going to have that opportunity to drop it in the basket. Um, and the faith promise is that unique thing we do here at KCC where 100% of faith promise giving goes directly to the missions fund. And with these funds and with the 10% of all general giving that already goes to, to missions, uh, we're able to support over 20 missionaries uh, worldwide, along with uh, Pregnancy Care Center, you know, KCAPS, TCAPS, LCAPS, and uh, Open Gate Ministries that are local here. So Faith Promise is our opportunity to go above and beyond for missions. So it's, it's a wonderful time that we trust God with providing those funds. Maybe Okay, God, what's the number? Okay, we're going to trust you to provide this this year as it's above and beyond our regular giving. And as we've been discussing the Oikos principle these past uh, two weeks, thinking, you know, laser-focused in our lives on those people that God has supernaturally and strategically, you know, connected to us, we as a church family are connected supernaturally and strategically to missionaries and mission efforts worldwide. And Pastor Ed is going, going to go into a lot more detail next week into the strategic ways we are connected to missionaries and how we support missionaries worldwide. So don't miss that next week, man. I encourage you to be sure to tune in or come out for that next week. Um, and I want to end this morning with Isaiah's vision of the Lord and, and his answering the call to be sent in the famous Isaiah 6 passage. Isaiah writes, 
He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above them stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. You guys, nothing can prepare us for being in the presence of the living God. None will stand before the Lord Jesus when he returns, for none are capable. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him Lord. We sometimes, you know, look at the corruption in the world and, and, and you know, how it seems like evil's winning sometimes throughout the world. And, and sometimes that discourages us. Sometimes it maybe even makes us fearful. But I say to you this morning, take heart. And remember that God laughs at the proud and the haughty. He is not mocked. And it will be the great and terrible day of the Lord when he returns. Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, for I am lost from a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He realizes in this moment how far he falls short before the living God. Man, it's easy to, you know, compare ourselves to the worst of humanity and say, man, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. And as soon as we do that, first, it reveals a brokenness in our own hearts, a pride of life. And second, it lowers the bar to the lowest common denominator rather than raising it to the highest. So instead, we're called to look to the best to look to Christ as our standard. And here Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, a righteous man encounters the living God and he falls apart, declaring woe upon himself for he's lost. He's a man of unclean lips. He's surrounded by a people of unclean lips. Isaiah sees his utter lack in the presence of the Lord. And then what happens? Isaiah 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. As John, 1 John 1, 9 states, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not if we have sinned, for we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. It's about confessing our sins to him, going before God and saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. Forgive me my sins. Have mercy on me. And he is faithful and just to forgive our, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we are fully cleansed, not partially, but fully. We are fully forgiven, not partially, but fully for the coal on the altar before the Lord cleansed Isaiah before God. But the cross has made a way for all who call upon the name of the Lord to be cleansed. Or have you forgotten that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended, it descended as tongues of fire 
on the heads of the people. The Holy Spirit is the holy fire of God that indwells us. And it's like that burning holy coal within us that cleanses us. And this is so, so important. That before being sent, we are cleansed. Because as receivers of God's mercy, we're now given the ministry of sharing the mercies of God with any and all who would listen. So now we read in Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah writes, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? This is kind of a crazy Trinity statement here. (laughs) Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I, Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Send me. What a simple and pure response. Here I am, send me. No conditions. He is a man who has encountered the living God, the God who has cleansed him from all unrighteousness. And the only proper response, the only reasonable thing to do is to offer ourselves to God. Here I am, send me. Missionary C.T. Studd from the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, he says, I had known about Jesus dying for me, but I had never understood that if he had died for me, then I didn't belong to myself. Redemption means buying back. So that if I belonged to him, either I had to be a thief and keep what wasn't mine, or else I had to give up everything to God. When I came to see that Jesus had died for me, it didn't seem hard to give up all for him. Here I am. Send me. You purchased me already. I'm yours. You're beloved. And I pray that we, like Isaiah, like C.T. Studd, now have a heart that says, here I am, send me. And when we do that, we begin a journey of a lifetime with God, as he is constantly calling us and sending us and calling us to send and support others as well in the mission, that great co-mission. So let's together, again, reaffirm our commitment to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that we belong to you for you purchased us, Lord. You redeemed us on the cross so that all of who we are belongs to you, Lord. And we praise you for that. God, we are marveled by that. So Lord, give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Give us your hands. And may we be those who go and represent you wherever you send us in whatever you've called us to do so we may grow in maturity in you, that we may grow in love. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.